This is Coda Radio, episode 104, for June 2nd, 2014. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Hi, Chris. Hi, Michael. <laughs> so for those of you just joining us, that is the majority. We've been broadcasting for a couple of hours now watching the WWDC keynote, and things were meandering along for quite a bit. And then towards the end, they really kind of ramped it up, and they kind of just came at Mike uh, full bore. So we're going to get into uh, some of the results from the WWDC keynote this week, which we, which we uh, were uh, streaming with commentary on the live stream. All within our fair use rights, of course. So we're going to run down a couple of the things just in case you guys want to hear them. And then we'll get more into the stuff that actually interests us as we go further down the stack. Because there's just some stuff to touch on. uh, And uh, there's going to be a lot of folks out there that are analyzing this kind of stuff. So we're going to give you kind of a point by point towards the top. It'll be a little bit of a shorter show since this is like Mike's. We're beginning Mike's third hour on the air. And this is like my fifth hour on the air. Uh, so we're going to do a slightly shorter format show this week, so we're going to skip the feedback so that way we can jump right into some of kind of the stuff and give you our thoughts while they're still fresh. And in Mike's case, the rage is still burning. But uh, before we get to all of that, I want to thank our first sponsor this week, and that is the great folks over at DigitalOcean. Go to DigitalOcean.com and check them out because if you're building something or if you want to learn something or if you need to deploy something, DigitalOcean has got you covered. DigitalOcean is simple cloud hosting dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. Users can create a cloud server in 55 seconds, and pricing plans start only $5 per month for 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20-gigabyte SSD, a blazing fast CPU, and one terabyte of transfer. And their pricing plan structures make so much sense that you're comfortable moving up a notch if you need to. It's very clear. It's it's very, very easy to articulate exactly what your run cost is going to be. They bring them up in increments, and if it, with each increment, you get a sensible improvement in the capacity of that droplet. And the best part is, is DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, and Amsterdam. But I think the thing that I really truly love about DigitalOcean is their awesome control panel. It's intuitive, it's simple, and power users can replicate it on a much larger scale with their straightforward API. There's a lot of things I could say about DigitalOcean, but I think the thing I'll tell you today is I've been using them for quite a while now, and as I have moved into this new studio and had infrastructure services that no longer made sense to have it all in my house, but didn't necessarily make sense to have it all in the studio either, I can't tell you how many times when I, when I, when I stopped kind of just slowed down and thought about it, I realized DigitalOcean is a perfect solution for that. And there's so many use cases like that. And when you use our brand new promo code, CODERJUNE, you can get a $10 credit over DigitalOcean, CODERJUNE, and you can try out that $5 droplet for two months. And you see what I'm talking about. See all the use cases you can find for DigitalOcean, digitalocean.com, and use the promo code CODERJUNE. And a huge thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. All right, Mr. Dominic, I know uh, there's a couple of things. I'm going to guess you probably do you have much to say on the uh, Yosemite uh, changes that were announced, the new interface 
uh, the gnomification of OS X. Anything that jumps yeah. out at you? It just kind of looks like crap. You're not impressed, are you? No, I don't like the iOS 7 feel. Uh, and you know, I, 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 I'm, I, for me, I don't really feel very affected by it. I, from, from the outside, I look at it and I go, well, this seems obvious if they have a lot of people buying iOS devices, they're then buying Macs, which they said in the keynote, it makes sense that you'd take those design cues over. Uh, I don't think they're, but they're not going full Windows 8 here on us either. So for me, it seemed like a, a pretty good middle ground, but okay. All right. Moving on to the next one. Uh, a couple of big things were announced in regards to iOS 8. Uh, in iOS 8, we've got uh, a new uh, revamp, revamp notification center, blah, blah, blah. But the thing that I thought was probably the biggest kind of boom was that new keyboard. It's got predictive text, including predicting what you might want to respond before you even type. So they took like what Android's got for a while and pretty good at, and they've kind of put a spin on it with the when you get a message, it'll just automatically say, would you like to respond with this? That's kind of neat. Um, and they've also added a lot of new features to messaging, like voicemail, or I mean voice messages, and they have gestures in there and things like that. Now you can share locations. They announced HealthKit, uh, and I thought that was kind of interesting. They also announced third-party keyboards, which I did not expect. So again, these are responses to things that Android's done. Uh, I, I don't know, Mike. I think at this point, when I'm this far in, I'm looking at some of the stuff they're announcing, uh, like uh, HealthKit, HomeKit, these things like that. These seem like Apple kind of saying, hey, you know what? Developers, this this release of iOS is more about integrating third-party services. They even talked about the ability for apps to add themselves to the share menu and add widgets to the notification center. Uh, I mean, all of that must have been, in somewhat, you thought, a response to some of the complaints you made last week, right? Oh, I'm sure they you know heard me and were just ready to go. Uh, no, I mean that it, it is addressing. I'm trying to trying to... Before we get into the hate, I was just trying to shine, find something you might have appreciated. So, I, again, the, they made improvements to widgets and notification center, but not a big like deal. I, like I said on the half on the live stream, they were all kind of half steps, right? Yeah. Well, okay, that's all you have to say about that. All right, well then, let's move into the thing that I think they probably got your attention the most, um, and. Uh, this one, I think, actually, one more, one more item before we get into that, because I thought this was also somewhat of a, like you were saying, a half, a half step. Uh, Apple announced that uh, they're going to do some sort of iCloud-like document drive. It's like iDisk, but not iDisk anymore. And this is sort of going to allow applications to share documents between each other on the iOS platform. Yeah. Again, a half step. I mean, neither none of these things are all that all that um, grabbing on their own. I think the big thing that uh, probably sort of surprised Mike and myself the most was the announcement of Swift, which uh, looks like it could have some of the out of everything they announced today at WWDC. I think this could have some of the um, biggest long term ramifications. It could bring some of the biggest change to the market. So before we get to that, uh, since I think that's going to be our main topic discussion today, I want to mention Linux Academy. They're another great sponsor of the Coda Radio program. And honestly, you guys, this might be a better time than ever to go out there and get trained up on skills that you can go out and become either a better contractor that you can charge a little more, a better employee, or maybe just get your mark up on the review when it comes around. I know how that goes sometimes. I've been in that position before. So what is Linux Academy? Well, Linux Academy is a site created by a group of folks who had an idea of a way to help people educate themselves, and they 
brought that together with a really good content management system at the same time. And it's the, it's the two that come together and meet that really make Linux Academy pretty special. So they have step-by-step video courses. And I'm showing you some of their courses up on our screen right now if you're watching the video version. They have downloadable comprehensive guides. So you can pull them offline and read them at your leisure. And what I think is really cool is if you get to a point in the lab and you need to spin up a server to do that point, they will do that process for you. It's like it's integrated into the lab material. That's so cool. And the other thing I like is somebody who jumps around Linux distributions. You can run more than seven Linux distributions, and they will custom tailor the documentation and the course for you. They have scenario-based courseware, too, so you can do deployments, things that would actually give you the confidence so that if you were out in the field, you would actually know how to do that. Uh, self-testing, so you can check yourself, see where you're at. You can download the audio, uh, the video guides as also audio, so you can listen to them in the car. I've actually gotten, I've heard from a few folks who have done that. Uh, I think uh, viewer Seth even said he does, he listens in the shower. <laughs> so I think that's pretty incredible. And they keep rolling out new courses too. So at, when you go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders, you'll get a discount on your monthly membership. Check out what you can do while you're there. And then stick around for the new courses that they add. And you can continue to bring your skill sets up to date. They also offer team accounts. So if you've got a group of folks that want to get in on something and work together, I think it's a really cool system. And at the end of the day, the other thing that can really help when you just need that little bit of motivation when you're doing the self-started learning, which for some of us that are really busy, it's sort of the only way to go, is they also have a community aspect. And sometimes that's exactly what you need to go in there and maybe get you over a hump or ask a question or see somebody's experience to motivate you to go on. And it's all integrated so well. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. And a really big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Okay, so Apple announced Swift. And this is quickly when Mike's mood turned pretty sour. Uh, And um, the audience seemed to respond extremely positive in the keynote. Uh, I I would say this was the point in the keynote that got... The biggest applause. And I don't think they really said Objective-C is dead. In fact, they said Swift and Objective-C can live together, essentially. So where do you want to start with this, Mike? There are a lot of things I don't like about this. Um, Oh, God. I don't even know where to go with it first. Well, you were... All right, so they're not saying Objective-C is dead, right? Right. No one said Carbon was dead either when they announced Cocoa. This is kind of the pattern they like to go with, right? So certainly Objective-C isn't dead, but the, its days are definitely numbered. Um, and additionally, Swift is definitely designed to be a more developer-friendly language, which is awesome if you're thinking of getting into iOS. Not so great if you've already been there for a while, right? Yeah, I, you're worried because it lowers the uh, the bar for entry, so somebody can just sort of in high school and make an app. I mean, isn't that the case now? They talked about developers there that were as young as 13 years of age. I think this uh, barrier to entry is already really low. It's low, but see, the, the current Objective-C toolkit doesn't give you a lot of the things that um, a lot of developers have gotten used to on other platforms. So maybe, you know, it, I understand it's kind of a curmudgeon argument to be making, but one of the nice things about being on the Objective-C side of life is that it's just so annoying to work with that a lot of developers don't want to. Um, and the market is still pretty thin. This Swift stuff, I think, is going to be super easy for anybody to pick up. Yeah. 
I think that's kind of the point. Um, and I and I guess you could you could see a dilution of the market. I I would suspect for a little while Swift will be so new that you, there just isn't going to be a one to one replacement. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong, but I would I would expect. You'll find a lot of folks, well, yeah, I tried Swift, but I ended up just using it to sort of glue these two pieces together, and then I put a little Objective-C in there to finish it up. Or, you know, right. like, yeah, I, I don't think this means Objective-C is gone. I don't think this means Objective-C well, is dead I even think, for years. I think what you're going to see is a lot of new developers go directly to Swift um, within the next year or two, and a lot of older developers stick with Objective-C, but eventually Swift will continue to become more common, right? I do believe with I, I I mean I think Objective C is on a death watch now. I think we should start the clock. We could even start a pool and take and take bets when when they're going to pull the plug on Objective C when it's going to come up out of the ground in a uh, tombstone like iOS nine did or OS nine. I mean, yes, I like Shane Q from the chat. My tooling got better when it's so Shane. I want my tooling to be crappy. I was also upset when they released Arc. So. That is kind of your argument, though. No, it is, that is exactly my argument. I, w- I was angry when they released uh, automatic reference counting too, because it it was a simple supply and demand calculation, right? But on the flip side, they have. I mean, they say that their language will help a lot of common coding mistakes that lead to errors. Uh, that could be a really beneficial thing. Um, it, right. Again, though, how many projects do do I get that other people have blown up because they make memory mistakes in Objective C? So it's kind of a double edged thing. But let me put it to you this way. Your Swift is beneficial to you in a converse relationship with how experienced you are with Objective-C, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with old Objective-C. So the further back you went, the more of an advantage all those hurdles Objective-C put on developers were to you. Because once you learn it, you learn it. And I just think because Swift is theoretically going to be simpler to use, uh, because and they demonstrated on stage, we'll have to wait and see real real world results. But they demonstrated a massive speed improvement. Yes. Uh, it will eventually, you know, just be in pure adoption rate, just smash Objective C. Yeah, and uh, I I understand what you're saying, but I still think it takes more than just how hard it is to use a language to make a good app and make a good developer and make revenue. Oh, for sure, yeah. I, I, I'm thinking less for developing first-party software and more for client services, know, low-end customer projects, right? Low-end yeah. client. Come in and fix You're... this. This guy botched this all up, and now this new language might prevent some of those things that uh, had well, them calling you in the first place. Right. I mean, when when Arc became mainstream, we saw a lot less of those. My app randomly crashes, and I fired the other dev team because most of those random crashes were memory management issues. So there's. You know, there's an effect. Now, having said that, Swift may allow, um, you know, Swift may allow some new opportunities, but they haven't shown me anything new with Swift. They just showed me this is stuff you could have done in Objective C, yeah. but it's so much easier in Swift, and that that's a little scary for me. So, uh, I I wanted to maybe shift gears for a second, and we'll go back to Swift here in a minute, I think, because I have a couple more th- questions. But before we go too far out from just general features. Uh, we haven't gotten a lot of details on test flight yet, but it's supposedly going to be big changes to how betas are done. It should, they say, allow developers to do seamless beta testing for free. They also announced app bundling and discount pricing in the App Store. Any reaction to either one of those announcements, test flight or bundling? They made a lot of vagaries. I, I was hoping to see something like, you know, I, I wrote a post actually yesterday or the day before about what I'd like to see in terms of uh, app beta testing 
you know, I think if they were going to get rid of the whole obnoxious provisioning profile thing, they would have just said it. Or, I don't know, what do you think? I don't think they'd bury the lead on that, would they? Well, uh, only because they don't like to admit when they're wrong. Mm. So, like, sometimes they'll just be like, here's the new thing, it's a better way to do it, uh, pay no attention to the way it used to be. And then they'll just kind of, you know, sweep the bad way under the rug and we never talk about it again. Maybe, I, I hope that's true. I mean, I'm very excited, I'm... I'm, I was really hoping to see more on that, but that might be under NDA, which we should say I haven't seen any right. NDA stuff yet. Right, yeah, yeah. So maybe um, I'll find out in a day or two. Yeah, like, so for example, 4,000 new APIs, but you won't know what those are until you go under NDA. And I feel like some of those could be like convenience methods, things like that. that but some of them, you know, might be more OS integration. Don't, don't tempt me. Don't tease me. <laughs> uh, all right, well, um, do you want to switch back to Swift for a second? Because I... I guess what I oh oh I had something I wanted to talk about before we got to that if you wouldn't mind um uh, what I what what concerned me from the keynote is metal uh, I mean and be, what concerned me about metal and this is their sort of open gel replacement for iOS and I don't know about uh, I don't know about the Mac but what concerned me about metal is it looked like it's actually really good like the demos they showed if those demos are legit it looked incredible and the graphics and they were using console engines on an iOS device on an ARM processor uh, it just needs an A7 you know you got to have an A7 but uh i i watched that and i thought to myself geez i mean one of the reasons why opengl as we've seen a lot of people recently grimacing online about opengl people bitching about how hard it is but one of the things that's helped linux gaming recently and helped cross platform gaming in general is opengl on mobile and now if you take away opengl on iOS I wonder how that's going to affect OpenGL games in general. Well, so I I don't think they're going to deprecate OpenGL though. I don't okay. think they're going to take it away. Right. So I think you're still pretty safe. I hope. I mean, yeah, I, I would imagine they're going to, yeah, at least not for a while. But again, it could be something like Swift, where uh, I mean, Apple isn't hasn't been keeping a lot of cruft around, right? With iOS, it could be something where you know, in iOS 10 or iOS 9, they get rid of OpenGL. You never know. Uh, all right. Okay, well, so we're are we going to make this a super short episode? Is there anything else you wanted to cover? You know, I, I was kind of going through the whole keynote expecting for something more. Yeah, and it didn't didn't happen. I don't know if you had a similar feeling. I I, I did expect. I pretty I was pretty convinced we would see MacBooks announced, um, new Retina MacBooks, and I thought maybe we'd see some other hardware. I didn't expect any iDevices. Would have been interesting to see something announced for the Apple TV app platform. You right. know, it would have been some, you know, just move the ball there a little bit because Chromecast and Roku are, are really kind of kicking their butt um, in that in that department now, or you know, anything anything that in that regard uh, would have been nice. Uh, the OS ten stuff really struck me in a lot of ways, especially Safari and Xcode. The new Xcode UI really, really, really look like no maps. Really look like no maps. Even like in the no maps, uh, there's uh, one no map. I can't remember the name, but when you go into edit mode, the UI changes from uh, a white to black, and the app that Apple was demoing also, when you went into edit mode, changed the UI from white to black in the same kind of way. And I'm talking specifically with GNOME, this thing called client side decorations that kind of become a little bit of a hot button topic in the Linux community. Right. And, and I, I mean, it, it looks like Apple wholesalely ri- just ripped off the GNOME design. 
I don't know if that's I don't know it could just be a coincidence, but that that was striking to me. And the other thing about the Apple uh, uh, the 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 OS X uh, new uh, theme or whatever you want to call it is they have a dark mode. So they have two modes, and when you put it in dark mode, it really looks a lot like GNOME 3. The black the black bars go translucent. If you put the dock on the left side, it would look like my GNOME desktop almost. And the new icons actually have hints of a, of a very popular I, a Linux icon theme called Numix. So I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of all of it. Um, I, I think HealthKit's interesting. I don't really see the point of it. If I'm Fitbit, I want you using my app because... That's where you put in your whole food plan. That's where the social. That's where all the Fitbit social networking stuff is at. That's where I get my data from. That's where I could slip in ads or or partner products. So I don't know why, if I'm Fitbit, I would want to use HealthKit. It seems like it's it's not good for me as an app maker. I want you in my app. So HealthKit seems interesting. HomeKit, I'm actually very interested in. But my big question mark there is how cross uh, platform compatible is it? Does it work with Android devices? Is it just using Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, or does it require? something in ios uh, i love the idea of showing up at the studio and you know having my garage door just recognize me as long as it's secure and you know you got to be skeptical of that kind of stuff so it's interesting but it all seems like stuff that's not going to pay dividends this year well in the fall we'll have some new hardware uh you know you know it, it, was, it was other than swift it was very mad to me yeah swift really kind of hit you though didn't it swift hit me swift is uh is your day like is your day like now Oh, my day's totally ruined. Yeah, um, but I'm just, I'm just thinking. It almost feels like, you know, they're not even with Swift. All they're doing is making it easier to develop apps for people who have no idea how to program. Right there, you go. There's a soundbite. They're not actually adding anything to the platform. And from what I saw, I didn't see anything ter- that I feel was terribly valuable. Well, it seems like one of those things, too, that it's going to take maybe even a year or two before it's even really a final version of itself, right? How do you roll out something like this and have it be feature complete? It just seems impossible. It seems like something that, I mean, it takes years of use. Into, well, in- I'm thinking in terms of APIs, right? I'm thinking, like, they released widget support, but yeah. it, it it's like the bare minimum, right? Right, yes. Um. I don't know. I, I just feel like they probably could have done more. With you know what I mean, they they could have done so much more with Objective C that would have been interesting, rather than lower the bar, so to speak. You would have preferred to see like Objective C two or something. I would have preferred to see you know. Um, widget kit right or ns widget or something like that something like full-on hardcore even you know take it up a notch from android widgets um full in-app communication right maybe even silent in-app communication so that the user doesn't have to tap it every time you know i also thought it was interesting how they're uh continuing to revisit this one search box for everything philosophy yeah. that has literally been around since mac os 8 and they've been ripping it off from different companies and coming up with their own version of it and now they've integrated it in both ios and and on the mac desktop and i i know i am not probably normal but i have never in my entire life 
wanted to do a Google search for my app launcher. And I use app launchers on every machine every day. And I've never, ever wanted to search Wikipedia. I've never wanted to search Google. You know why? You know, because I always have a browser open. That's why. I'll search in my browser. You know what it is, really? On the whole, this felt like this entire thing was that simplification, not adding functionality. Well, yeah, I, I, I kind of disagree in the sense that I think in a lot of ways it was opening up a lot of things to developers. Uh, there's some serious stuff that got opened up. Touch ID got opened up to, to some APIs. There's new sound APIs, new direct control over the camera stuff, uh, the home kit and, and health kit stuff. There is in some ways, you know, I'll, this is sort of Apple saying, all right, we're letting you integrate more with iOS itself now. Be ha- you know, the share buttons, for example, and the... Uh, that that new extension system they announced where applications can even push GUI, their, their GUI into another application. All of that, I think, is I think is being overshadowed by Swift for you. Like, I think if they had announced all that stuff and didn't ever say anything about Swift, you'd be pretty happy with that functionality that came, but it's it's all small potatoes compared to a whole... you know, the whole the whole Swift announcement and, and what, that, what that means eventually for Objective-C. But even without Swift... I don't, I don't feel Touch ID's deal. Well, yeah, you, I mean, but you could see how, like, Mint or Evernote or LastPass might want to use Touch ID integration. Yes, sir. Uh-oh. Hold on. Hold on. You're getting all Skyped up. Here, I'll, I'll call you right back, so then we, well, and then we'll get your thought, and then we'll wrap it up here in a bit, because we've been connected on Skype for, like, a jillion hours. So I think our Skype call got crazy, so I'll call you right back. Uh, oh, Skype. No, no, not that. Sorry, everybody. You know how it goes. All right, here we go. Boom. It's been a long, it's been a long uh, live stream. We uh, started right as they were going live, and the Skype connection actually held up pretty well the entire time. But I think there's like a certain amount where there's like a Skype law. You guys know about Skype's law? Yeah, uh, that Skype's law is uh, you're only allowed to use Skype for an hour and a half. Hello. Then it starts getting crappy, and then after two hours, it dies. Hello, Mr. Dominic. Welcome back. Hello. Sorry about that. All right, let's just wrap this up then, because Skype is full of fail. So, uh, you did, did you want to close anything? Like you, you were going to say, even without yeah. the Swift announcement, it just wasn't wasn't doing it for you. Even without the Swift announcement, I just felt like the keynote wasn't for developers. Yeah, until the last ten minutes or fifteen minutes. Right, but then they just kind of shoved it all into that. Right? As the fireworks display, they ended with a bang. Yeah, but that's it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go cry in the corner. Talk to all you right, later. well, I'll let you marinate it on on that over the week, and uh, then maybe we'll catch up uh, next week. And uh, well, so it'll be time to start uh, shifting gears. We've done our coverage of the event as is per tradition, but every now and then there's some fallout, and we'd love to hear your guys' thoughts and your reaction. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com, choose the contact link, and then choose Coda Radio from the drop down, or go to codaradio.reddit.com. That's even better. And in just anywhere in there, start a thread. Join the discussion for this episode wherever you like. Let us know your thoughts. Mr. Dominic, if you want to send some people somewhere, this would be a good chance to plug it. Yes, Arkham's uh, Asylum for the Criminally Insane. <laughs> there you go. You can find me on Twitter. Oh, also, uh, new tech news or tech talk today. New tech talk today. Boy, I can get it right. Episode one just aired. Go find it over at jupiterbroadcasting.com. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coda Radio. We'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>